You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by AllWork.Space. Today, we welcome Livia Martini, Chief People Officer at Jim Pass, having joined the team in 2017 initially as the Head of International Operations. In her current role as CPO, she oversees a global team of over 1,800 employees across 11 countries. Liviette is responsible for creating an exceptional working environment at Jimpus, leveraging a wealth of experience in people management and financial operations. Livia, thank you very much for joining us on the Future Work podcast today. We're really excited to have you with your expertise as the Chief People Officer from Jimpass and all the interesting things that you and your organization have been doing. Can you start to give our audience just a little background on what Jim Pass does, how it works with corporations and, and, and sets up wellness programs for their employee groups? Great. And thanks for having me, Frank. It's great to be here. Um, so Jim Pass is a corporate well-being benefit. So essentially, we partner with people like me, the heads of HR, the heads of benefit in, in other companies, and we implement a um, holistic well-being program for the employees. So this is almost like a, um, you have a menu of several activities that you can do and several providers of those activities, all the way from nutrition to um, a, a, an actual regular full-service gym or studios, and each employee chooses what they want to do in the program. So it's, uh, it's an open menu then of options for the employees. Yes. And the purpose of the employer is to improve the well-being, the culture, hopefully, um, create another cultural uh, opportunity uh, for their employee group overall. Exactly. And this, I think, is the is the magic of a program like Gym Pass because because we encompass all of the workforce, uh, you get a, a, a virtual cycle of you seeing somebody doing something different, trying something, getting better in their well-being, and sometimes inviting you. So we have challenges, for example, that the, the HR team can launch, and you can have, we did, for example, a steps challenge. So we did it by teams. So teams got to know one another. They got to get more active. Uh, and we saw several benefits of that. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But this is a, 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 over time, I think my peers and people like me have seen how many positive effects you can have from something that seems simple in a way, but so hard to implement in a, in a large scale and sustainably over time. Well, you, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I'm sure you're familiar with the term gym rat. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I in, in, in my younger years, was very much a gym rat. I was working out all the time. Uh, now I, I take long walks and, and ride a lot of, do a lot of cycling. And so I, I understand the benefit that comes with being active during the day, during the workday, oftentimes, uh, taking a break. But, you know, wellness has really evolved the concepts of wellness from a corporate point of view has evolved. There seems to me there's two elements that are converging. We talk a lot about wellness uh, from a mental health point of view, and we talk about it from a physical health point of view. And now it seems that we're talking about corporate wellness, combining those two things into a 
cultural element as well. How, how, do you, how have you seen that evolution uh, uh, and, and how do you see those, those things blending together? Yeah, I think that the, the key change for me in the, in the conception of wellness is this expansion that you mentioned. And nowadays we can even include um, uh, financial wellness. We include emotional wellness, um, even the, the quality of the relationships that you have. So this concept in and of itself is expanding. But then what I think has significantly changed is the role of the corporation. So before, wellness was something private that people should take care of that on their own time. And now I think companies are seeing, number one, the huge effect that they can have on people's well-being and the huge benefit that they can get from uh, making sure that they take care of this. But we also saw in a, in a recent survey that we just did, um, as you as this concept is is not new, but whenever you choose a job, you essentially choose a company and the company chooses you. And employees are right now uh, in the survey we did manifesting the their preferences and saying that they would significantly consider or a significant portion of them would consider changing jobs if the company doesn't take care of their well-being or doesn't have well-being as a key priority. And many of them even say that um, the, the well-being or the efforts of well-being is equally important to salary. So this is a 93% of people, which to me is incredible. Well, you know, uh, corporates uh, have been struggling and you guys, you guys deal with like the big broad spectrum of the global Fortune 1000 as your mm-hmm. client base uh, overall, and I know you've got up to 50,000 gyms and uh, you know just massive global network. So uh, I want everybody to understand that that you are uh, global. You're massive in in the number of people. That, so the data that you have is very well sourced. Uh, and I've I've read your 2024 reports and and your different reports. They're uh, very interesting uh, uh, background materials. But, you know, one of the big things we can look at uh, companies like uh, J.P. Morgan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, CEO, Jamie Dimon, everybody's got to get back to the office. Everybody's got to do this. And then other companies saying, oh, you know what? Remote working fine. Mm-hmm. And then someone else, yes, but how do you do a culture with remote work, et cetera? And I would posit that if you can't get everybody to go to the company, but you can get everybody to go to the gym that you can sustain your corporate culture very strongly in a remote work structure. And you can many times have an even stronger sense of community mm-hmm. in that regard. And it sounds like I'm shilling for your, your product, but I, I really believe this because I've seen it in action uh, overall that, uh, you know, that that's a whole different dynamic, but it brings the, the people closer together, makes them more honest uh, with each other. Uh, and, and cause it adds another dimension to their relationship. Yeah. And having the flexibility of choice, I think also, uh, improves a little bit this as well. But in, in my, uh, humble opinion, I think that the, every single work structure works, we can make them work as long as they're cohesive 
as long as companies are making deliberate decisions um, that are aligned with their business needs, that are aligned with the culture that they're trying to build and align with their with the types of employees that they're trying to hire as well. So maybe let's say you choose to have a completely remote culture that can work as long as you create, uh, for example, these types of touch points that you go to the gym together or you have challenges that unite people that are from different countries or different parts of uh, the world. And because of this, they have to get to know each other. So the sense of community still builds. But if you want to get back to work and you, uh, sorry, you want to get back to the office, you have to understand that this, this um, work arrangement is no longer for everybody. It's no longer the norm. So you're going to have a few people self-select in or out. Um, right. And then you should create the, the other parts of your daily life to sustain that. But again, I think the beauty of combining those two things is that we in the HR side and, and the executive leadership of companies, I think we're seeing more and more that there is no one answer for everyone. There's no one single solution that's going to fit 100% of employees or one, one single format. So in, in knowing this and applying this, for example, to well-being as well, uh, you have to make sure that all that you create has a level of flexibility such that the individual can find what's the right answer for them. And you are, and my view of my role is to support that journey, is to make sure that they have the right tools, that they have the right um, and processes and policies around that as well. But to make sure that the, the employees feel the support such that they can take ownership on their side as well. Well, that's the question I had. Uh, one of the questions I had, are the employees taking ownership themselves? Well, so let's let's create a scenario. Let's assume that I have a, a company, a, a large company, a multinational company uh, that I'm operating in eh, five countries, and I've got uh, 10,000 employees, uh, 2,000 in each country. Um, do you notice big differences in the, and your system, your system is offered uh, company-wide. Do you notice big differences in the take-up between different nationalities? Do the Dutch work out more than the English? Do the English work out less than the Italians? You know, all, all of that sort of thing. Uh, and what data do you have on, I might be putting you on the spot, and if, I, if you don't have the data, just say I don't have it. But what, what data do you have that says, my company offered this to 10,000 people. How many people did more than just sign up? But how many of them are really, really, utilizing the benefit to on an let's say on an 80 percent of of optimum basis yeah. uh, is it 10 percent or 90 percent because th this is important you know adaptation of these programs a lot of times uh, i put stuff together great idea everybody <laughs> loves it nobody uses it yeah and i go ah uh, so, you know, that's it. Have you seen a metrics that says, oh, the obesity level dropped down within a particular company or, oh, the, the days of uh, sick days uh, decreased? What kind of metrics do you see in these programs? So um, I have a few of them off the top of my head, but not all. And your question has many parts of, to it. 
but I'll start with the ending of it, which is um, we have done studies with companies that work with Gympass. And we have done a very structured study to see we have a control group. We have people who have enrolled in the program but use it less frequently. And we have people who use it more than once a week every month. And this specifically is about um, uh, physical activity, but we're measuring different uh, levers and different types of, of activities as well. But right now, this study has shown that we can have uh, a decrease in healthcare costs of 35%. Okay, so, stop. Stop right there. Yeah. Question. Have, if, if I have a decrease in healthcare costs, meaning a, a lower incidence of utilization of the healthcare benefits I provide, am I as an employer reaping the benefit of lower rates? Um, so or do you know that? Because as an employer, I'd immediately, that's the first question I'd ask, aha, my people are healthier than somebody else's people. I want a better rate. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is for sure one of the arguments that we have with the with the healthcare providers. Of course, there are a few external factors. If you are a small company and you have one serious case of disease in that year, that maybe um, tweak your numbers, and then the healthcare provider is not going to be as receptive of that. Um, but this, to me, is the beauty. What we have is not only people stop using the the more expensive services so when you actually get sick but they also increase the frequency with which they use the preventive services so they do more checkups they they um, follow up on their health instead of trying to cure their disease so that's the effect of the of the reduction and then to me the objective of every single person in the benefits and the hr teams has to be to make sure that the vast majority of people do adopt something like this and that they sustain over time because this only increases, improves over time. And again, it's a virtuous cycle. The more people you have it, the more it becomes a culture around you and the more benefits you reap. And then this is one benefit. But yes, we have less um, or fewer sick days. We have a decrease in turnover because people get more engaged and this has several elements to it. One, because they actually feel better, but also because they um, have a better relationship with people around them. They can reap the benefits of, of doing those activities together. So uh, on, on the decrease in turnover, mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm a, I'm a data freak, so I apologize. I'll keep asking you, you questions about that. On a decrease in turnover, do you have any metrics that says if you have uh, a thousand employees on this program and half of them use the program actively once a week or more, that your decrease in or your extension in, in life cycle, employee life cycle is one day, one month, one year, 10 years? Do you have any metrics that says how much longer employees stay on average within a company or within a, 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 a profile of company? Yeah, we, we, we have done this study as well. I don't have it here at the top of my head, but maybe we can add as a as a side note here to the okay. we'll, we'll, do an, we'll do an article after, after the podcast. We'll yes. include that data. But in the survey, in the survey materials um, that we have, 85% of the HR leaders said that they saw a decreased cost in talent recruitment, retention, 
and an increase in engagement. So this is even even if you can't measure to the to the minimum percentage, um, we can see that in a day to day basis. And, and when you talk about a decreased cost, particularly in talent recruitment, mm-hmm. battle for talent is always yeah. out there. There's yeah. always a battle for talent. Do you find, do your client companies find that uh, there is, uh, that their sourcing of talent uh, gets materially improved by having this program over some other healthcare program or something else? Does this, does this really, do people really make a decision? Well, I'm going to go to work for Google because, because they use Jim Pass mm-hmm. instead of Microsoft because they don't. And I don't so, know that one company or the other. So I'm just using yeah. that example. This is very interesting. So we see from the surveys that 96% of employees seek companies who prioritize well-being. So this is independently of what type of program you have. But then, for example, in Brazil, that is the first country where GymPass was launched, uh, we actually looked at LinkedIn job openings. And mm-hmm. the number of LinkedIn job postings that list GymPass as like the top three benefits. So they say, oh, we have, um, you know, meal vouchers, we have health insurance, we have GymPass or some other order of this. There is a, a vast, vast majorities of companies using this to attract talent. And I think it's very, very smart because you show very easily how much investment the company is making in the well-being of employees. And this is a, a serious concern. This is a serious um, or it's part of the culture of the company to have something like this. Well, you know, in, in business today, one of the topics that we hear uh, about, I think too much about myself a little bit, is the loneliness epidemic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume, and, and you can you can fill it in, but I'm going to assume that Jim passed by bringing people together either for cross-country challenges, which is something that I think is really unique. Uh, um, you know, I can do more push-ups than the guy in, in Germany. Uh, that, that kind of thing is always fun. It's always fun to, to, to have athletic activities. Um, but actually, the German fellow probably do more than me. Uh, but uh, how are you addressing or how do you think this addresses such things as the loneliness epidemic and, and uh, mental health as opposed to physical health. I, I think we can all see how this can address physical health. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all see how culturally by bringing, having another way to bring people together, there's an advantage. And it, it doesn't matter what it is, there's always an advantage to that. It's a good one. But how do you see this addressing mental health? So um, also the more studies come out about this, I think we know, we know no longer to separate the verticals of well-being into completely distinct um, animals, let's say. So if you work out and you take care of your physical well-being, you sleep better. If you sleep better, your mental health improves. And, you know, it's again, a virtual cycle. But the way that we are looking at well-being at Gympas is to be as all-encompassing as we can be and offering different types of solutions for different types of people. 
So we now have um, a number of, uh, for example, meditation apps. We have a number of, um, uh, we have a, a product called Trainiac that is a well-being coach. So a Trainiac coach may talk to you, Frank, and say, um, you want to do longer walks, so potentially you change your nutrition here, maybe change this or that habit to help you with sleep. And all of these things also uh, address that topic. And then we have different offerings of specifically mental health solutions. Uh, they change per country. But, um, for example, in Brazil, we have a, a, a therapy product that also you can enroll just like a regular once a week therapy session. Um, and we're seeing amazing results from that. We have several clients who have been uh, using in, in this product and giving great feedback. But I, I, I really do believe that if you work on only one thing, it already improves all of the other ones. But if you have a combination, which is what we are trying to provide as well, uh, is what has the, the best results over time. If, if you were to pick one thing within the offering uh, or within the wellness spectrum, I guess, forget gym pass for a minute, just from, from your broad base of experience, within the wellness spectrum, if you were to pick one thing and say, all I can do is this one thing and it's going to have a biggest impact possible, what do you think it? I know it's hard. It's kind of a loaded question, but I. It but is. You know, you 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 see a lot of this, uh, Lydia. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot about it, and I particularly am biased because I have chronic illness, and I'm dealing with that for many years. So I'm going to give you a loaded answer as well. I think that if you force me to pick one and only one, that would be physical exercise, and to me, it would be something building towards the the future so essentially uh taking care of muscles making sure that you are uh, nimble agile and everything that you need to age well however in my particular experience i think what revolutionized my life and my level of energy was the quality of my sleep and the quality of my nutrition so when i combined the three, to me, it was a very, very clear revolution in my life and my health. Um, and then nowadays, I do have to pick this week, I made that choice, I wasn't sleeping very well, I was in a, uh, I was traveling, so different time zone, different pillows, and etc. And I had to make a choice to sleep one hour more or go to the gym, I slept one hour more. So now I see the effect of a good night of sleep in my um, energy, my focus, my everything. And then there are things that we don't even know that harm our sleep that we do every day, even um, watching TV until a late hour or uh, eating too late, close to bedtime. Yeah. So I also have these glasses have uh, the lenses against blue light because you're every day, all day in front of the computer that also uh, influences how good how the quality of your sleep is but then yeah. those are simple changes very tiny very simple that's why i say do the most that you can <laughs> well you know they're, they're, they're all physical changes and i think I, I i read an interesting article the other day about longevity uh, mm -hmm. i have a fair amount of gray hair so longevity is always of interest to me uh and uh, uh also when i look at the future of work 
um, the extension of, of your work life is inevitable. Yes. Uh, we're living longer. Um, uh, there, there's a balance between younger and older employees. Younger employees won't be able to support older employees at some point as that balance picks up mm -hmm. or it goes out. It's a baby boomer problem, if you think about it. Uh, and uh, one of the, the, the there is a, a variety, just like you were getting, of these are all the things you can do to have a quality of life. Um, and this isn't just work life, just a pure quality of life. If you're going to do that one thing and they indicated exercise, yeah. that if you can keep at it and find joy in it, which you would do with others from your, your culture, from your, your, your company and that sort of thing, that you have a tremendous advantage. And I think we're going to need that advantage uh, and because a lot of us uh, are not retiring at the a traditional age are saying, no, I want to keep working. I want to keep producing. Uh, I like the money. I like my job. I like my friends. I don't want to, you know, just be relegated to doing nothing. Uh, and that takes health. You have to be healthy to do that. Um, so exercise and, and, and uh, exercise with others in particular uh, is a, a, a hugely valuable element to longevity, I know. Yeah. So, uh, as we look at the future of work, though, as we look at the way people are working in, in, uh, as we go forward, all the different models, the corporate, uh, remote, I'm working from my home, so that's a remote worker. Mm -hmm. You might be working from a, a co-working center, so you'd be a hybrid worker. Uh, you know, there's all these different models that we're talking about now, and we know that the key one word is flexibility. That's the, in the way that we will work today and in the future. And we've been saying for almost 10 years now that there are no occupiers of space anymore. There are only travelers. <laughs> there are only travelers. And we all are local digital nomads at the least. We might be true digital nomads living in other countries and, and, and doing gig work or something, but every one of us today is a traveler on a local basis, the way we work. So how do you bring a culture of a company together focused on well-being uh, uh, in order to reap the benefits that you're talking about when we're all in motion constantly? Uh, and when you're in motion, uh, you know, I'd rather be uh, in motion, moving around from one little workplace to another, from my office to my house, from my house to maybe a restaurant for a lunch meeting, that sort of thing, than having an hour and a half commute on a train somewhere. Uh, uh, heaven forbid to that. <laughs> that robs. I, I think that kind of commute, if you look at the people that take those commutes versus the people that don't, that work in a remote or a, a hybrid environment, the physical well-being of the latter is much greater than the former. Yes, because the, the that type of static commute robs you of time, and you need time to to deal with the issues, uh, personal issues, and well being. Yeah. But how, how do you see all that as we as we go the the next generation? Uh, how sustainable do you think this is? Yeah. And and we we saw in the survey as well that the worst is not even the people who need to commute an hour and a half but are the ones that need to commute an hour and a half and don't want to. Yeah. So it's the ones who would prefer Which, to stay at Who home. would want to? 
Who would want to? A few, some people who truly value being at the office, changing environment, seeing other people. We have that. We have a few of those in our team. That's why I keep saying flexibility, flexibility. And here, uh, to me, the only way, again, to make it work is to have coherent policies and processes and great role models. So you need to have other people who you look up to doing things the way that you would want to do them or again role modeling to influence influence you to do it that way and i think the interesting this is a very interesting role for leaders i think that this is a natural spotlight that we place on the leaders you know um, if i want to get there in that point of the career as they are i need to do things as they're doing um, so the leaders need to do that. And the interesting part that I saw is 91% of directors and above say that they can take time to prioritize their well-being. But then you go down the ladder, people who are managers, so not directors, uh, only first-line uh, leaders, and people who are non-managers, this falls significantly. So when, you, when you're an individual contributor, only 66% say that they can take care of their well-being. So to me, this means that either we're lacking processes and, and, and culture around this, or we're missing role models because they need to see that the leader goes maybe to a 2 p.m. yoga session or they build breaks in between their meetings and say, I'm going to have a 10-minute meditation right now. You know, things like that are really, really um, influential to people trying to make this work. So even to me, if you are hybrid, if you are 100% remote, if you have never met your colleagues in person, if you only, if you just talk about things, it's already a great step. So things that you do, things that you value, things that are um, important maybe for a family member, or if you show your setup, I, for example, have a space that I do yoga twice a week at home. So I have that space dedicated to yoga. Showing those things to me has a, has a huge impact. Weights at my desk. That's perfect. See, <laughs> showing no, that, talking that, about that. Yeah, that, that is. So, so what, you, what you're say, saying, it, 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 I think there's a couple of, of, of big conclusions here. First, you have to have a program to have a program. Yes. Uh, number one, you have to have, make it turn it into a friendly discipline that you enjoy with others. Second, exercise. <laughs> if you don't yes. exercise, all the other elements of well-being are diminished. Yes. Third, it's top down. Yes. If, if the leaders aren't leading in wellness, then the non-leaders will not participate to the same degree. So the company and the individuals within the company will not reap the same benefits. Exactly. If, if, those are the three big takeaways, I think, that, that I've, I've heard today. And it's a, I, I would add to the top-down that it has to be top-down and genuine. So, for oh, yeah. example, you just say, well, being is important for us, but you work 24 hours a day, there's no... Uh, you don't allow people to take PTO, even the most basic things, uh, it shows. So it has to be a top-down, genuine decision and that you implement with 
like deliberately across the organization. Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think that as we look at the, towards the future work, these changes, which might seem subtle, are really tectonic in their, their forces. Uh, they're, they're massive overall. Uh, and and I, I think that it's something in the instability that we see in the world today. There's a little p- piece of sanity <laughs> left in just going to work out or that 10 minute meditation time. You have to find your sanity a lot of times as much as your physical improvement. Um, so that's, that's great. Well, Livia, I really, uh, am grateful to you and, uh, Jim Paz for participating with us today. Um, really much. So if someone wanted to learn more about, uh, Jim Pass or reach out to, to you or, or one of your colleagues, how would they do so? Um, I think our website is the best, um, the best channel. So jimpass.com. Uh, we have all of the surveys there as well. And we have blog posts that talk about these things that we have been talking about, how to create a culture of well-being, how to engage employees. And to my fellow HR folks who uh, are thinking about Gympass, I also need to say that we have a lot of support for us. So when you're implementing the program and you're trying to, to build more engagement, there's a lot of support in that as well because we know that this, this is what makes the difference there is, is to have the, to have the whole, um, all of the stakeholders and the whole ecosystem working towards the same direction. Perfect. Well, thank you again very much. And, uh, I'll look forward to working out this afternoon. Perfect. Enjoy your workout. Take care. Frank. Bye-bye. Bye. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the future of work podcast by all work dot space.